Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, the latest pop-up event from NIMSY Insights. My name is Tucker Johnson, and I've been doing these, these pop-up events with thought leaders, influencers, I hate that word, influencers, thought leaders, mentors, coaches, um, instructors, people that have some value to add in the industry. And somebody that has a lot of value to add is Daniela D'Amato. Um, Daniela, you are the operations director over at Creative Work over in Hi, Italy yeah. um, yes. tell me a little bit tell us a little bit about that like I, I've been working with you for a while now but um, tell us a little bit yes. about yourself here sure well yes I am the operations manager here at creative words so I basically deal with a bit of everything and nothing at the same time as I like to say because I <laughs> handle all the operations on all different on the whole different departments within the company so project management marketing accounting uh, the linguistic department, vendor management, a bit of everything, like I said. And I love it. I love to be in control. You yeah. love to be in control. I, I, I love I, that. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think you and I have a lot in common because you and I are both um, ops people, I would say. And um, we are both partnered or aligned very closely with what I would call visionary um people and i have my visionary that i try to keep in check and you have your visionary that you try to keep in check which is diego diego if you're watching hi um welcome and and for anybody else that is watching if you're if you're just tuning in these these pop-up events they're not announced so probably not a whole lot of people are watching usually we get some more people actively engaged in the comments in the stream as people start trickling in one by one and if that's you please go ahead and engage in the comments um i'm not sure if my comments are working these days where i can bring them up on screen but we'll be checking those over on linkedin um comments in in linkedin will be um, answered if there's any questions um all of that stuff. But without further ado, I want to get into the subject today, Daniela, which is OKR methodology, because you have a, a new course over on NIMSY Learning all about OKR um, methodology. And I'm just going to play a quick intro here for you. Um, and Daniela, I don't think you're going to be able to hear the sound. <laughs> on this, but hopefully those that watch in the, the stream. That's fine. I know what I said. I know. You probably said it several times, right? Because, uh, oh, oh, this sound's not coming through for anybody. Hold on. Just give me one sec. Okay. <laughs> we might have to uh, rethink our life here if this sound's not working. This is the pleasure of the live stream. Bam. Let's add that That's into the... Yeah, let's add this into anything. No. Oh, it helps if I. It helps if I turn In it off. In this course, we will focus on one of the mm -hmm. most innovative frameworks. Okay, here we go, guys. Have you ever struggled setting up goals for teams in your own organization? Well, if you did, trust me, you are in very good company, so don't worry, because setting up goals for teams and roles you know very little about can be really daunting. Instead, by hearing real-life examples, we will provide you with the right inspiration to start off with the right foot. My name is Daniela D'Amato, and I'm the Operations Manager at Creative Words, 
and I will be your instructor for this NIMZ learning course on how to set up goals for teams in neuron organizations. In this course, we will focus on one of the most innovative frameworks for setting up goals in any organizations of any sizes, the OKR framework. We will refer to real-life examples and we will provide some clear and actionable items so that you can start right away setting up goals for your own teams. Are you interested in learning more? Well, if you are, sign up here. I loved learning OKRs and I loved applying them to my teams and seeing how well they worked. So if you are interested, I can't wait to meet you there. Hope to see you. Yeah, I can't hear you now. That's because I was on mute. Nice. Video's done. Um, so nice little introduction to OKR terminology, but that was like two and a half minutes. <sighs> We've got a lot more than two and a half minutes today. So talk to me about OKRs. What are they? What are they useful for? Um, who should use them? Mm -hmm. Sure. So OKRs are a methodology for goal settings in any organizations of any sizes. So no matter how big or small your company is, OKRs could be a good option for you to pick when you have to set up goals for your teams. Uh, there are so many frameworks out there. It's just that the OKRs fit well with my mind and my way of thinking or, or, and doing stuff. So it was very scientific from the start and I loved it. I have a scientific mind. <laughs> so yeah, it's basically very simple. OKR stands for objective and key results. So it's built in different pieces. So you have the objective, which is your direction, the direction that your role has to take. And then there are certain key results. I'm not hearing you. No. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, sure. Key results. <laughs> So the key results are actually measurable. Those are actions that you have to do in order to get the objective right. So that's as simple as that. Um, yeah, and you, you usually set them at the beginning of a given period. It could be a quarter, for example. That's what I do here at Creative Words. And then you check them regularly with the team. Mm -hmm. But before you do that, you actually, OK, now I can hear you. Yeah. Good. Uh, it's early for me over here. I'm sorry. This is my first meeting of the day. <laughs> no, well, and you started with me. Thank so you. What, what I wanted to ask, Danielle, I was trying to sure. interrupt because I have a horrible, horrible habit of interrupting people, is um, when we're talking about setting your goals, who's you? Who is you? Are we talking about the organization or are we talking about you personally? Are we talking about both? Both, actually. Because, for example, when I started to assign OKRs to the rest of the team, I was also assigning OKRs to myself as well. And basically, between my key results, there was also creating OKRs for the rest of the team. So it was like a, a circle, basically. My OKR was to create OKRs for everyone. So it's, uh, it could be, well, it depends on your organization size, but it could be that you have OKRs for teams, for example, and not just individuals. Okay. But I think it works best when you go to individuals because it's more related to the role of each person. And once again, for those that I totally heard you and totally remember what it stands for, for the record. But <laughs> for those that are listening or maybe just joining this live stream, what does OKR stand for? It stands for Objective and Ob Key Results. 
objective and key results. Yeah. Awesome. So on your team, you mentioned that you uh, implemented these on your team and your team is growing. Um, before we could talk about okay. how you're using OKRs, I want to talk about what are some of the cool things that are happening over at Creative Words with the operations team um, from a growth standpoint. What go Shame. Sure. plug time. Give me a, give me your pitch for your team at Creative yeah, Words. For creative Words. First of all, I like to say that we are an unconventional team. We are a bit crazy, all of us. Uh, it just happens. Everyone is crazy at Creative Words. And um, we've grown a lot over the past few years. Tucker knows very well this because he has been there since the start, practically. And uh, just in a year, I think we doubled the size. So now it's, uh, it's a big team. We have a very strong focus on education and training as well. So we do have a lot of internships going on usually both remotely and in person, even at these times. Uh, so we keep growing, we keep doing lots of stuff, we keep taking on challenges, we love challenges. So not just projects, just like any project in a, bra a broader sense, not just mm -hmm. translation projects, like anything really. Like it, the the classic, the classic language service provider, right? And this is what I say all yeah. the time, which is yeah. that LSPs, language service providers, don't provide translation. We provide services, right? And I think what your team is doing over there is, is is very indicative of that. You have um, you have an open mind as to what can be done and what can't be done, and that is that's important in our industry because. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's easy to fall fall prey to like the echo chamber and just be doing what everybody else is doing. Um, and the way that you keep an open mind is by fostering that culture with your team, right? You can't just lead from the top, right? Like, of course, culture comes from the top. Of course, leadership comes from the top. But you can't just dictate like this is what we're going to be doing. Your team has to get buy-in on that. Yeah. So perhaps you can talk a little bit about how setting um, OKRs, how setting goals, how um, having clearly defined objectives that you're working towards helps your team to feel bought in or in, not just to feel, mm -hmm. but to actually be part of the, the whole organization. Sure, that was actually why we started with OKRs in the very first place, because we, well, I was struggling with getting the people going into that direction that the company was taking. And having a framework like that of the OKRs really helped because the feature of OKRs is that all the OKRs of, of everyone are actually shared within the whole company. And the progress is always visible by everyone because we use a software that keeps track of the progresses. So everyone is actually always looking at their own progresses and the others. And by building OKRs for the team, I usually try and assign goals that are actually linked between the different people so that eventually they all end up helping each other in getting each and everyone's objectives. Awesome. And we have some comments I want to go through. I finally got these comments working here, yeah. everybody. So thank you. Uh, so much for, for um, being patient. Rodrigo, Rodrigo, you're you're always in these streams. How do you just live on LinkedIn? I love it. Hi, guys. Uh, let's start from the bottom here. Hey, Tucker, Daniela, what do you think about the business intelligence analysis applied to the language services industry? Um, 
I'll let you, I'll let my special guest take that. I've, I've certainly got <laughs> opinions. I've always got opinions here, but, um, business intelligence analysis applied to the language services industry. I mean, this is kind of what we do over at NIMSI Insights. Uh, we do market research, language, uh, market research, consulting, advisory analysis, uh, specifically for the language services industry, but I hesitate to say that because we do a lot more than that. You know, to, to Daniela's point earlier, growth-minded, growth, growth minded, um, future-minded organizations like Creative Words, like, dare I say, Nimsy Insights, are, are always kind of looking for the next thing. So nowadays, we actually do quite a bit more than just market research, um, but that's not the topic that we're talking about here. Um, topic that we're talking about here is OKR. So, Rodrigo, um, or uh, wait, who was that? That's uh, that wasn't Rodrigo. That was Nicolas. Yeah. Like I said, I'm still getting these. Um, blow this up, Nicolas Cagieri. Um, I, I encourage you, Nicolas, go over and um, check out some of the research on Nimsy's websites. Daniela, you can really useful. Yeah, you can, can attest to it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Well, thank you for the opportunity to do a shameless plug. I, I really appreciate that. Let's look at the other comments here. Um, we got, hi guys, uh, or hi guys, a big fan of OKRs here. Looking forward to listen to her insights. Thank you so much. That is from Rodrigo. If you guys are in the comments, uh, if you're watching, go ahead and drop your questions, um, comments below. We'll make sure to be getting to those. So um, I want to take a moment just to break, um, break in the conversation of um, OKRs here to highlight your course that that you've created for for OKRs and to do that I want to go over here and actually show people where to find it because well because frankly Nimsy's website is going through some user experience revamps right now so not everything is as findable as I would like it to be uh, but it is all there um, and we, we, are, we are aware of that. So here's the NIMSI's website uh, you have in the background here. And I'm logged in as admin. That's okay. Um, you'll be able to see the stuff that we're looking at here. And if I go to services here, I can go to all services, education and training. Bam. Click it. And of course, everything's going to run super slow because I'm streaming to like 15 channels on my poor router right now. Oh, lordy. I might just skip the line here and go to nimsy.com forward slash courses. You know what? I'm going to do that. Nimsy. Oh, no, my keyboard's not working. Nimsy.com <laughs> courses. Let's see if that goes any faster. All right, here we go. Now we're lighting education and training. And if we just scroll down here, um, we got popular workshops. Um, we have some upcoming workshops that are not necessarily e-learnings, but they're like in-person virtual workshops. I encourage you to go check all, check all of those out. Um, and if I go to the course catalog here, I can see all these different um, courses. We have Daniela's course here. We've got uh, sales strategy courses from Inga Bonin, from Renato Beninato. Uh, we got courses from Joseph. Uh, we got courses from me. Oh my goodness, from me. Um, more courses are on the way. Our, our, our goal is to get people from all over the industry um, creating content, adding value um, for the rest of the industry and to be providing a platform for that. Um, but if I click on this course right here for Daniela, mm -hmm. I, I believe there is, there's a free version. Yeah, price, free. Yeah. Look at that. 
look at that, guys. Go so ahead. Go, ahead. go ahead. And here we have the intro video. And I can just sign up right here. Take this course. It's going to ask me to create an account. And um, then you can take Danielle's courses. How many, um, how long is it? How many modules? Uh, it's, um, it's nine videos in total, but one is the introduction and one is the conclusion. So the rest of it are the actual lessons. Nice. But all, each lesson are quite short, between five and I think 10 minutes maximum. So it's uh, not a long course. It's very practical because we, I actually ask you, well, people taking the course, to do some exercises at the end to build their own OKRs for some of their team members. So, so, so there's, that's why. there's exercises involved too. Yes, yes, exercises and small tests at the end of each uh, part of the course. But and, it's very easy, I can tell you. <laughs> and, and you've been doing this not just, I mean, this isn't just uh, something that you put together for NIMSI. You've been using training internally over at Creative Words too, right? We do, yes. We tell have us a little bit about that. Yes, it's, it's been a huge project since 2018 and right now it's intended mostly for students, Italian students, because we have the Italian versions so far, but stay tuned on this. And um, we, it's been a huge success. I don't know if it was because of the pandemic, but we've had huge ton of in people subscribing and taking the courses. And we teach them everything, the basics from writing a CV to localization to actual translation, translation of video games or anything. And like NIMSI, we have asked people from all over the industry to come and um, give their support by creating courses for us. And then we also have a community, community training area, which is private for our uh, translators there. So it's in the same. Uh, e-learning platform that we have both options for students and our community. Yeah. So basically, like your motivations for creating your trainings over there is the same as for us here at NIMSI, which exactly. is we were looking for a way to support our clients. And we do a lot of on-site stuff, consulting, workshops, stuff like that. Or I should say we did before 2020, right? Oh, and we all, we all know what happened. And when that time came, we thought, well, shoot, how are we going to keep adding value, how are we going to keep supporting people? And the answer to that question is, frankly, I love it because um, it's something that, like, I, I think the pandemic pushed us to evolve at a quicker pace because not only have we found a way to, like, plug the the leaking boat to you know keep going on with the status quo but we found a way to actually provide more and better value yes. to our clients through training i agree i totally agree yes but but this is turning this is turning into a conversation about e-learning which was was not my intention that's that's fine that's kind of how these things go um let's go check the comments to see if there's any comments and then we'll um come back to talking about okrs Awesome. Um, Rodrigo Espinosa Capajada. One of these days I'm going to get called out for pronouncing that wrong. Daniela, do you agree with if it does not have a number, it is not a key result? Mm. I do. I do. I agree. And that's kind of the mistake that I made at first when I started to create the first OKRs for some team members. And I was actually, for some at least, key results, I was not expecting uh, an actual number but like a percentage of the progress, like how far do you think you are in getting the objective right? 
but that doesn't really work. I mean, you need to have numbers, so you need to go down and uh, find the key results, which is actually really measurable. It can be even just uh, write, I don't know, 10 emails to, um, I don't know, your existing customers by upselling your services. But at least you have a number, you have 10, so you need to get 10. Of course, this is just an example. It's not really um, something that you should look for in your OKRs. But yeah, the numbers, yeah, it has to be scientific. It has to be clearly visible, clearly measurable. I, I totally agree. How, how, what if you want to measure something that's not necessarily measurable? It's not necessarily objective, but let's say, I'll, I'll give a real example. Let's say you want to manage, you want to measure mm -hmm. so that you can improve employee satisfaction. Uh, How would you go, employee, employee satisfaction, satisfaction. right? Mm. So I, I just say that because it's a, it's, a fuzzy, it's a fuzzy little metric, right? How would you go about, I'm putting you on the hot seat here. How would you go about mm. that? Yeah, that's challenging because, of course, satisfaction, how would you measure that? Maybe you could set up some sort of checkpoints with the team meetings or um, where you actually have, I don't know, some role play, for example, and by that you can measure how much people are engaging by setting up games which are actually related to goals and uh, roles, actually. We did something like that. And at the end, you actually send out a survey by giving a certain number of you know, uh, scores to each um, question that you ask, maybe. And you eventually get a certain level of score out of that. That could be, well, I, I, I would need to think about I love that. I love yeah. that idea. I'll get this chat window out of the way. I love that idea, too, because what I encourage people to do is not just report on what's measurable, but go one step further and figure out how to make the, me the unmeasurable measurable, right? Yes. And I love your example of surveys. Surveys are, surveys are a great tool um, to take subjective fuzzy things and make them more concrete, make them more um, interesting. Yeah, I actually took it from you because you gave me this when I was trying to build the first of the hours. You gave me the yeah the idea that you should not start from something that is measurable, but start from something that you need people to do and try to make that measurable. So right. it all changed my viewpoint. So so thank you for this. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Um, yeah, what, one thing that I've and that's why I bring up that example, too, of like um, employee satisfaction. Another great one is um, one that like many people have heard of, which is the, the NPS score. Have you heard of NPS score? Have yeah. we talked about that, Daniela? Yeah, uh, yeah, heard it. We don't use it, but yeah, I heard yeah. it. Yeah, I, I don't think we use it right now at NIMSI either, but NPS stands for Net Promoter Score. Um, and it's a very simple methodology. Like it's a three question survey you send to your clients, which is essentially, oh gosh, now I'm gonna screw it up. Um, on a scale of one to 10, how likely okay. are you to uh, recommend our company to a friend or colleague? And um, then they say one to 10, they fill that out. And then after that, you essentially ask, 
why, um, which is if if they rated you eight or below, I think you ask, what can we do to get a better score? Because seven is a bad score for NPS. The reason I don't use NPS um, in my organizations that I work with now is because it's a really, 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 really powerful, useful tool when you are servicing a lot of customers because you're going to get that. And this is true about any data, right? This is true about any OKR is like the bigger the sample size, the more meaningful the data is going to be. True. Right. Um, but they, but they can be useful for, for example, if you go on over to uh, Nimsy learning, which is nimsy.com forward slash courses, um, <clears throat> And you sign up for a course like Daniela's course here, which is free once again, then after you finish that course, you're going to get a survey that says, um, you know, how did you like this, blah, 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 anything that we can do better. And we read those. We absolutely read those because this whole e-learning initiative is something that's very new to us. And we want to understand what makes a good e-learning uh, e learning course. For example, one of my courses in there, one of the first courses that um, was created was um, originally it, it's adapted from a course that I do at Middlebury Institutes on account management. And the, the videos are like 45 minutes to an hour long in that and i created those like the week after covid came to the united states because i was mm -hmm. supposed to be teaching on sites and so i had to rush and create create these courses but i didn't get the memo in time that the best practice these days is um five to ten minutes so yeah. long long courses over in there um let's see here let's go back to the comments here um, anybody else? Daniela, do you agree with? Yes, if it doesn't have it, okay. If you guys okay. have any more questions, we'll be checking those periodically. All right, quick time check, 936. I think we've got, uh, how, how long can you stick around, Daniela? Do you well, got anything? I can stay. Yeah, no, nothing afterwards, no. It's okay. almost 6 p.m., so we're closing up afterwards, so okay. it's fine. So for these OKRs, for this methodology, and I'm sure it's talked about in your course, what in practice does it actually look like? Do you have a dashboard? Do you hold weekly meetings? Yes. Um, do you hold daily stand-up meetings? Tell us. Tell us. Just give us a sneak peek. Yes. So, yeah, we have a dashboard. You could use any software. There are so many. We use GTM Hub in case you want to look at, at it. GTM Hub. GTM Hub, yes. Okay. It's really good because, yes, it gives visibility, like I said before, to the whole team of the whole OKRs of everyone and you see at what each and everyone is actually working and how much they are progressing they might want to help each other because uh, like i said if you build them right if you build them interconnected with between among the different roles people might actually want to help each other like okay i know this person is stuck here because maybe i can for example the marketing team might be mm to I don't know write papers or blog uh, stuff and we have linguists who love to write out blog posts so so they it happened that they just went to, send them you know, send them to me if you got people that love writing blog posts gosh I I, can, you can always I, use more marketing writers all, all every company so. <laughs> yes every company I totally agree marketing is key and yes blog, good blog posts are just amazing so yeah, it actually happened. They just saw the progress 
of that person not really going that well, that quickly. And they just went up and said, look, I can help you. I can write this with that help. So it was actually working. They were cooperating more. I mean, and they normally do, but instead it was proactive, you know. They would just see it there and they would go about and do it. Well, I think that's uh, that's the key too, um, which is uh, I don't use OKR methodology, um, yeah, no. but I've been trained in like WIG methodology and I talk quite a bit about it. Um, and I believe it's from uh, Franklin Covey, a part of their 4DX, Four Disciplines of Execution. That's where I um, originally learned it from taking a workshop from Franklin Covey. Um, but there's a lot in that workshop and not all of it I found relevant to what I do. What I did mm -hmm. find relevant was this WIG methodology, and I really like it. WIG stands for Wildly Important Goals. And what it does is it allows us to set organizational level goals, um, wildly important goals, and then each department can set their goals. Each person can set their personal goals, and they all feed up into it. And that's what I, um, and that's why I like it, because it's scalable. Right. The problem with like a traditional MBO, like management by objective and some of the more like old school uh, processes is that they're not scalable, like they're fine, but they, they still rely upon lots of one on ones with managers and oh boy, one on ones, like the best part of the job and the worst part of the job when you're a manager. Right. Because if you got if you got. 20 people on your team, you can't have one-on-ones without all of them. So you need some way, some structure to be able to provide that feedback for them. Yeah. And with OKRs, yes, we, we do have meetings. Well, we I always have one-to-ones at the beginning when I set OKRs for them because it's actually... Well, the sure, you have to talk to your employees sometime. Yeah, I mean. always. <laughs> yeah, once you can't avoid them forever. They'll find no, you. No, you can't just go like that and <laughs> hide. No, um, yes, but as, that is crucial at the beginning because you actually, that's the point when you can actually adjust some of the key results. Because I, uh, I have a linguistic background. I do not know much, I, well, I did not know much about marketing or um, sales myself. So I had to learn stuff. But by talking to actually the people doing the job, they were actually suggesting better metrics, which actually worked better. So it, it, that was the time when I would adjust with each and every person, every role, the actual metrics and the key results. Then, yes, it's, um, they, they just go in the platform. They always, during the, the period, they just go in and add their progress. And then we have checkpoints. Um, I started by having checkpoints, one-to-one -one checkpoints every couple of weeks. Okay. But again, that was a bit too much because like, we, like you said, if you have to do it with 15 people, it can be, well, 15, 20 people, it can be really time consuming. So I was actually more relying into allowing three weeks to one month. So okay. that it actually, it, they, it was also better for them because they had time to understand from our one-to-one -one the direction that they would have had to take in order to adjust, you know, uh, their own direction towards getting the objective right. Because well, and how much control do they actually have over that, right? Uh, like, how much, 
like, is this just, uh, well, and I'm sorry if your team's watching this, but is this just like lip service? Like, hey, please buy in no. to these objectives, or do they actually have some agency and authority um, to contribute to those? No, no, they absolutely do have the authority. Yeah, that is true. I actually rely on that, especially when I have to create the new OKRs for the next quarter, and uh, especially the team leads. So I talk to them and I try really to go into the details of what each person is. I mean, we are not a huge team, okay? It's uh, like 15, 20 people. So it's easy to go and think of the single person and what that person has to improve. Um, and yeah, and then you, you, you go and, and, and ask them to, if they agree with that, and they usually do because they know what their weak points are, and they are the ones suggesting even more um, uh, challenging key results. So it's it's really nice because they like it. They like they like it to be challenging a little bit. It's challenging. It is challenging, but that that brings up a really good point. And this is something I argue quite a bit with my founding partner Renato. Um, <laughs> how challenging is too challenging? Because, and let me, let me give you some context to the question, because I'm kind of of the school of thought. I'm not saying I'm right. Not saying I'm right. Um, but I'm kind of of the school of thought that you shouldn't set too ambitious of goals as a leadership team. Why? Because it's disheartening. It's not motivating. It's demotivational. Um, and I don't think my partner understands that because my partner has never worked on an ops team. He's never been held to um, goals. He's always been the one setting goals um, because he's always been an executive, a leader, a visionary. He's always been a Diego, right? Um, <laughs> sorry, Diego. <laughs> yeah, you laugh because it's true, right? You and I have commiserated <laughs> about this before. Um, love you, Diego. You're the best. Diego is Daniela's boss, by the way, for those of you that are watching. Um, and so there's a fine line to walk. There's a, there's a very fine line to walk because you want to set goals that are stretch goals that are going to push the limits that are going to make people want to work harder to accomplish something together that they couldn't accomplish on their own. However, if it's too stretch, I know ops people cause I am an ops people. We're going to look at it and we're going to say, uh, uh, no way it's going to happen. I'm not even going to try. Even if you tie it to like a bonus, you say, I'm going to give you $10,000 if you accomplish this. Ops people are going to look at that and they're going to say, it's not possible, so I'm not going to try. I'm not going to waste my time. Ops people aren't salespeople, right? Salespeople are more motivated. And if they were motivated by money, they'd go become salespeople, right? Exactly. Um, rant over. <laughs> rant uh, over. It has to be ambitious, of course, like you said. But it has to be doable. Right. Still, yeah, for the OKR methodology, it's actually more into the Renato and Diego idea of aiming for the moon, because they actually say that you should not get the OKRs at at 100% at the end of the period that you are setting the OKRs for. If How you get 20%, it's fine. That's what they say. But okay, the that's what time, they say. That's what they say. Okay, okay. I was, about to, I was about to challenge you on that, but okay, you're just oh, reporting on what the Diegos and yes. Renatos of the world yes. say. Yes. Okay. Exactly. 
Yeah. Yeah. But so we use uh, the wildly important goal 4DX methodology, WIG methodology. And part of that methodology is you have a dashboard that, that you look at. Um, and you have a weekly meeting. You go over the dashboard. I, I, you're familiar with it, I think. Yes. If, if you're watching and you'd like more information on the WIG methodology, I think I have a live stream on the channel about it. If not, I'll do one soon. Don't worry about it. Um, but part of it is this color coding, this dashboard. And the idea behind it is everybody, you should have a dashboard and it should be very visible to everybody. So think if you're um, working in a manufacturing, in a warehouse or in a, a store or something like that, the, the dashboard could be a whiteboard hanging in the break room. Right. Yeah. It could be, you know, a light, you know, red, green, yellow lights hanging over the production room floor. Um, the idea is that everybody at any time should have visibility into how well the company's doing. And um, here at NIMSI, we have a level of transparency that is borderline obscene transparency with our employees. Like everyone knows how much money we're making. Everyone knows how much money we're not making and why, right? All, all of those things because we use this wildly important goal methodology. Um, but anyways, this um, green, yellow, red, because it's so visible, that's why I say, you know, it can kind of be disheartening to log in and see that dashboard red, 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 red. Um, might be time to update our goals um, because I, I do believe in this concept of the quick win, right? Like if, if a team's struggling, hell, if I'm struggling, right, I need a quick win. Every morning, well, not every morning, I'm not as good as I used to. I wake up and I put my my, my to-do list and my, my to-do list here. Thank you, Alyssa, yeah. for my lovely... Um, Notebook. I, I do use it. Um, and I will put things on that to-do list like make your bed. Shit, I haven't made my bed today. I will put things on my to-do list like make coffee, right? Just so I can scratch it off and have I a quick win. And I, yeah, I, and I believe in that for, for, for teams too. Like how can I give my team a quick win? How can I give my um, whoever a quick win? Yeah. That's why some key results are actually easier than other because of that, because you need to see some progress. You need to see something that you can cross out and say, okay, for this one, I'm done. I have done everything that I was asked for. Yeah, it's really important for me as well. I'm just like you. I need to, to cross out things all the time. So what yeah. are some of the... Um the the metrics that you're tracking and i don't want to get into anything like super you know personal confidential for your organization but um you know if there's another lsp out there that um, wants to manage their team and manage their growth essentially using mm -hmm. a data-driven approach and they're interested in checking out okrs what are some of the metrics that they should start with for lsps yeah, depends on the roles you are looking at. Um, I can say that, for example, well, um, one of the roles I was struggling the most was the linguistic team. I don't know if that's of any interest for this LSP, but um, because for the linguistic team, we have a team of in-house linguists, which are actually lead linguists. So they do not do translations themselves. So I did not want to measure productivity on those because our linguists there make um, a, well, a higher level job 
on the client overall. So they organize calls with the external team. They, they do, they create style guides. They don't just translate and re review stuff. So what do you measure? I mean, uh, if you do not measure productivity, if you do not measure how many words, which I don't like in any case. I mean, even it's if a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. When we start talking about measuring, this is a conversation we are having internally. And by conversation, I, I am I'm using a charitable term to describe what's happening internally right now. We're talking about um, essentially, in a word, timesheets. Yeah. Right. Time sheets. Time sheets are the favorite of the manager that wants to improve. And I'm I'm frankly right in the middle of this debate because mm -hmm. I come from an office background. I love measuring things uh, because you can't improve what you can't measure. Um, and you kind of need time sheets for some of that measurement. However, at the same time, I also hate filling out timesheets, and I know other people filling out, hate filling out timesheets, and I also, having filled out timesheets for decades, having filled out bullshit, oh, where's my reports um, from, you know, upper management, no, not upper management, middle management, let's face it, okay. BS reports are requested by middle management, not upper management. But um, yeah. I've filled out enough of those to know that people just lie. People just eventually. lie. Eventually, they'll start off to fill it out. So they just yeah. need to do it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So and that doesn't make them bad people. Uh, absolutely. No. I'm not saying that makes them bad people for lying. Uh, because I lie. I have lied many, many times on expense, rep no, not expense reports, Lord, no, I'd never lie on an expense report. Um, but I would lie, my CFO is watching this going, oh, God, um, I will lie on timesheets, and I will proudly lie on timesheets. But yeah. let's, let's jump over and see if we have any questions in the comments here. Mm -hmm. Really quickly, beautiful, pull this up. Can you see that, Daniela? Yes, uh, yes. All right. Giovanni Lester. Hi, Giovanna. Um, not Giovanni, Giovanna. Um, Giovanna. I use long, medium, short, and short, short. Okay, I'm going to say that again. I use long, medium, yeah. short, and short, short-term goals. Um, the organizations I work with and arrange for teams to work complementing each other's efforts. It does not work well with volunteers. They usually think someone else will cover their shortcoming. Thank you, Giovanna. Um, lots of good points in there to unpack. Danielle, you want to respond to that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's really, yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know with volunteers, I mean, you would have to really think of ways to engage them in a way that they would want to do that. Yeah. Volunteers because, are hard. Yes, really hard. So yeah, um, it would take some time just, yes, to, to drive them into the right direction. And uh, yeah, because one other thing with OKRs, I'm always thinking of those, is that you usually do not assign rewards to OKRs. So okay, they are volunteers, so even if they are volunteers, they do not get paid for anything, but still, you would not give them rewards for doing stuff, even if it's just, I don't know, a free course or whatever. Mm -hmm. So even that would not be an option. Because yes, it, it doesn't really match with the OKR uh, framework, you know, giving rewards, because it's essentially something, yes, um, 
if you focus on the OKR, you will get a bonus or something. But then all the rest of your work, I mean, it's something, it's part of your job anyway. So, so yes, that would not be a solution for volunteers either. So yes, that's challenging to be honest, but you, you could find something, I think, still related to engagement in a way. Um, yeah, because like helping each other, yes, that's the key, I think. Um, I mean, even with volunteers, if you mix OKRs with also volunteers and uh, staff members, maybe, I don't know, they would want to do things just like it happens in-house it, it, it's super hard yeah i yes all good points daniela i i have experience managing mm, i have experience attempting to manage volunteers and i have experience being a volunteer so mm -hmm. i can fully understand um the psychology of being a volunteer and the psychology of being a volunteer is you know i i will do this but let's be straight I'm helping you, right? Yes. You called me, all right? I'm giving you free work, right? Hey, is that like, you know, WWJD? No, it's not. It's not, you know, something I'm preaching from the, the mountaintop, but it, it's real. It's real, mm -hmm. right? So uh, the second it becomes an inconvenience to me or something that's a pain in the butt, is the second that I stop doing it or stop caring or stop responding to those emails. And let's be honest, you don't quit a volunteer job, you just stop replying to emails, yeah. right? And, and that's what happens um, when you push your volunteers by giving them annoying things like timesheets, right? Volunteers are not gonna fill out timesheets. Volunteers are not gonna fill out um, Excel sheets, nor should you ask them to. You're asking a lot from them. You're asking um, for them to give you your time. And it's your job, I believe, when you're managing a community of volunteers to support them, not necessarily yes. the other way around. Yeah, so yeah, even assigning goals to them would be a bit probably asking too much. But still, in a way, you could find ways to engage them. Well, and, but it's like, and, you know, and let me backtrack a little bit too, though. Like, uh, I think there's a space to assign goals to them, right, Daniela? Yeah. Um, yeah. But so, how do you make sure that those goals are motivational and not um, bureaucratic? Well, for example, I think when you want to, well, for example, Something that I did in the past quarter with some project managers was to focus on some personality traits that they would have wanted to change, you know, in relation to, the, to their own roles. So probably something like that could be towards, you know, the volunteering people. Because you focus on something that can help them, like, in general, not just on their job. Sure. So, yeah, it could have been stress management or communication. Well, communication skills could be uh, something related more to the role job. But stress management, I tried very hard to think of something to measure out of that. I think I did. But, uh, yes, we're finishing the survey. quarter, right? Survey. So, <laughs> survey. <laughs> survey. <laughs> to our previous point, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you feel? And then you put it in a nice graph and you've turned the subjective into the objective. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. yeah. And Giovanna, Giovanna must agree with something that we said because she said exactly yeah. in the comments. Right. Yeah. right. Good. Good to hear. Well, I, I don't want to um, keep beating a dead horse here because we're coming up on uh, two minutes to the top of the hour. I have no as usual, I have no idea how long we have been doing this. Uh, I really should get my get become more organized. But um, Daniela, any closing mm -hmm. words for us as as we come out? Um, tell us about for those that are just joining. Let's recap. Tell us about your course. Tell us about how to access that course. Um, what they can expect from that course. I'll give you the floor here. Cool. Okay, yes, if you are interested in learning a methodology for setting up goals for your department, no matter the size of your company, go to NIMSI. You will find it on the training e-learning area. It's a free course. Uh, it's quite short. It's uh, nine small lessons, so go for it. It's really practical. It will drive you into really doing your exercises and bu building your very first OKRs. Yeah. And, and okay. I'll second, I'll second that. Like you can go and watch some YouTube videos about OKRs. You can go read some blogs. You can do all of that stuff, but what that's not going to get you is the accountability. And that's kind of what NIMSI learning or e-learning courses are all about because you sign up for the course. It's, you're going to get, um, you're going to be tracking your progress. Um, if you want to have an accountability partner, you get someone to do it with you. You talk to your manager and yeah. you have that accountability and you go through it and you have the opportunity to spend a lot of time with Daniela here, which is, which is just mm -hmm. awesome, which is just awesome. So you, you'll get to know Daniela very well before perhaps you ever even meet in person. Maybe, uh, yeah. <laughs> with, with that, I'll just do a, um, whoops, wrong button, just a quick um, update from NIMSI Insights. Um, this live stream is brought to you by NIMSI Insights. We are a market research and consulting company specialized in, but not limited to the language services industry. We provide all sorts of different services, but most importantly, I want to talk about how you can engage with us. I do these pop-up live streams all the frickin' time. Now, um, I'm doing about several a week and getting all sorts of interesting guests. Started off just me talking to you, but who wants to hear that? That's super boring. So I'm bringing in people, lovely people from the industry like Daniela. Once again, thank you so much for joining me and being part of this live streaming experiment today, Daniela. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. All right. And with that, we'll see you guys next time. Everybody that participated in the comments, thank you as always. We'll see you next time. When that's going to be? Don't know. <laughs>